What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Dr. Sean Thomas, here for episode 18 of the Be More Today show. We are back in the building. It's so good to be here. My co-host for today is none other than the musical producer for Be More Today, Terrence Farrell. Terrence, what's going on? Everything is good. Everything is good. Man, how was your week? How you been? How's the kids? How's the family? Um, Everything is all right. I, I, feel, I feel pretty good because, you know, the sister-in-law... Took my son for the day, so I got some work done. Um, but you know, it's 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 all good. Everything is good. Me me and him are now starting to bond a little bit more as he gets a little older. So as as much as a adult and a three year old or two and a half year old can bond. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. I'm glad to hear that clearly. What's going with you? I'm good, man. I. Uh... I've been everywhere, <laughs> but um, I'm doing well. I feel like these days, you know, most people say these days are, are 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 filled with you know home stuff and Zoom meetings, but it's not like that for me. I'm I'm literally busier now, I think, than I've ever been. But um, yeah, we're doing okay. We're holding it down, and uh, these shows have been fun because it gives me a chance to take a break from all of that and, mm-hmm. and kind of look at things from the bigger picture, as opposed to just like the grind that happened from Monday to Friday. So. It's been good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad that you're here with me and uh, happy for the show today. I uh, I have a quotation from Audre Lord that I wanted to share, and it is, do not let the differences pull you apart. Uh, use them, examine them, go through them, grow from them. We do not have to become each other in order to work together. Uh, this week, Terrence, I don't know about you, but, you know, as always, uh, we always talk about COVID-19 and, you know, it's it's been cool seeing New York uh, not be in the news so much. Uh, we've done a good job here with wearing our masks, with social distancing. Uh, I think people, for the most part, get it. I mean, yeah, people who still don't wear their masks in public and, uh, you know, get a little upset when people are getting called out. But I'm looking across the country, Terrence, and there have been so many instances of people in various places um, not wearing masks and getting shouted out. One, one woman got thrown out of a store because uh, she was targeted for not wearing her mask and got upset about it. Um, you know, so you talk about the COVID-19 stuff's happening and then all the racism stuff's happening still in the country. People are pulling guns on other people literally at Chipotle this week. And it's just been a weird week. Where, you know, just the things are still happening around us, but our differences are still there, clearly. Uh, but we can't use those differences to, to divide us. Um, we have to look at them, look at us as people recognize that there are differences between us still, but we can grow from this situation. We can grow from this pandemic. We can grow from, um, you know, COVID-19 and the racial things that are happening in our country. And these things shouldn't divide us, um, you know, with 4th of July coming and there's so many people divided now and talking about defunding the police, not supporting the police, not supporting the flag and changing the history books. And I get all of that, but even in all those things, we can still come together and learn from each other, still come together and, 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 and be, uh, unified in our differences. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, by this time next year, hopefully that, you know, as we continue to grow and process what's happening now in this country and around the world, that, you know, our differences will not pull us further and further apart, that we can really use this time to analyze where we went wrong, um, how we can solve the problem for all people, 
um, and move forward just for our generation behind us to have a better future. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Terrence, so I'll, but I wanted to share that thought with you today. Um, it's it's it, it's true. We we shouldn't let our differences pull us apart, and we do need to come together. Uh, but it's it's tough. It's easier said than done. Um, when you watch all of the racial divides and even the the way the pandemic is is having an effect on people, because I I was in a grocery store and uh, this Caucasian man you know, uh, pointed out this African-American guy. It was like, hey, you're not wearing a mask, man. You know, could you could you put on a mask? And the young lady he was with just went nut and was like, don't talk to us. And I was just like, whoa, he wasn't even disrespectful. And because of the race thing and it just it it went somewhere that was ugly. And it has to do with being nobody wants to be called out. But. They were clearly not wearing a mask inside the grocery store. Everyone else had on a mask. And it was just, it was unfortunate to see that. And although our differences shouldn't pull us apart, I think it takes extra effort to understand what's going on, to check your feelings. And although it might be somebody different talking to you, still assess and say, am I in the wrong? Am I not in the wrong? Can we have a difficult conversation about it, but agree to not? you know, agree or say, Hey, you know what? My bad, whatever. So it is something that needs to happen. I think everyone needs to, to check themselves and, you know, do the, do the hard, the hard introspective looks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Like, like you both are saying, you know, hopefully we can, we can definitely do that and use this time wisely so that our future will be a better place for our kids, for our families. Um, yeah. It's a weird time across the country right now, but you know, I think our our premise for doing this show and just for being more today is that we can inspire, you know, at least one person every week or at least ten people every, you know, whatever, to to see that there are still people who are trying to do good in the world, people who are trying to do better, to better themselves and better our future. So, um, like we always say, it's hard for us, and you you plant a seed and hopefully it grows to be something bigger in the end. So, mm-hmm. we'll see how all this stuff pans out. Yeah. Um, our guest today, Terrence, is special uh, to me. She is actually my sister-in-law. And um, I don't know if she recognizes how awesome and amazing she is, but we're going to actually highlight her today in that aspect. Her name is Dr. Sheetal Pai Vexung, and she works as a principal scientist in the Formulation and Process Development Department at Pfizer in Andover, Massachusetts. She received her BS in Chemical Engineering from The Ohio State University and then went on to work as a project engineer at the International Paper Company, where she traveled to various paper mills across the country, providing technical support. A year and a half later, she joined Merck as a biochemical engineer doing cell culture work to develop vaccines. This work sparked her interest to return to graduate school to complete her PhD in chemical engineering at Carnegie Mellon University. Her focus was on the delivery of protein drugs to sustain release devices. Following graduation, she moved outside of Boston and joined Pfizer as a senior scientist doing protein formulation and process development work to create antibodies against various forms of cancer. A few years later, she moved to Mannheim, Germany with her husband, Akam, to work on Advi, or work for Advi on developing an Alzheimer's drug. In October of 2019, she returned to the U.S. and is back at her old department at Pfizer. She currently resides just outside of Boston with her husband, Occam, and their kids, Conrad and Myra. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets also included, I want to introduce to you my sister-in-law, 
Dr. Shido Pai Vexan. Shido, what's going on? <laughs> hey, Sean. Hey, Terrence. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. We appreciate you for joining us. And the kids are asleep, so we can actually talk about yeah. real stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so as always, Sheets, we, we check in with people and just kind of see where they're, you know, where they're at, where they're going on. With all that's going on in the world right now, how are you doing? And, um, you know, how's the family with all the COVID-19 stuff and relationships happening around the world? Um, well, with the COVID-19 stuff, I'd say we got pretty lucky because um, both Achim and I work for, could work from home during the entire time. Um, and one of the teachers from the kids' daycares had been coming over every day to help take care of the kids and to keep them on a schedule. So I think we personally didn't get very disrupted in our normal day-to-day -day life, um, except for working from home. But that's been fine. And then the kids have been back at the daycare. So um, in terms of like the racial injustice, I think, yeah, that's a, it's a loaded question. I mean, I think we've, we're trying to be more aware and see if there's any, like what actions we can take as a family um, and even within our department. And I know that's some of the stuff we'll talk about in this podcast, but um, yeah, I would say with COVID, we haven't been that affected luckily. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so actually you're, you're the second engineer you've had on the show. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend of mine on the show who is a mechanical engineer, but engineering in general is so vast and there's so many different departments. Can you just describe for our listeners your educa educational road to becoming a chemical engineer? Yeah. Um, so I grew up like going to public school um, and in middle school and high school, I really enjoyed math and science. So I thought I would, when I went to college, I thought I would end up doing something in those fields. Um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and then I applied to colleges just within the state of Ohio. And I ended up picking or going to Ohio State um, because they gave a good scholarship and because I figured, okay, it's a huge school. Uh, I don't really know what I want to do. So I'm probably, I'm bound to find something there. Um, but when I started, I decided to declare my major as biology um, just because I knew I really liked my biology classes in high school. Um, but then as I was in the classes, I kind of realized I might have to, like, with a biology degree, I'd probably end up having to get an advanced degree, maybe go to med school. And it's funny, that's what your guest um, last time, Ricky, was saying. He was debating between being a cardiologist and a mechanical engineer. So it's like I had the same kind of thought. I ne never really thought I would want to do engineering right away. But I knew I really liked math. So I started. I talked to one of the professors at, in the chemical engineering department and just asked him, you know, what does a chemical engineer do? And, mm. and this is what I like, what I enjoyed doing in high school. Would this be a good field? And he said, most people like end up dropping out of engineering and they don't end up joining. So he said, give it a try, take the first class and see what you think. And so I went into the intro to chemical engineering class and I just loved it. I mean, basically the first day they said a chemical engineer can do anything. Like you can go into any different direction and I just thought, okay, that's perfect because I really don't know what I want to do. So mm. I can do math and science with this degree, get a job after I graduate and possibly figure out what it is that I want to do. So that's wow. how I ended up sticking with it. Yeah. That's incredible. I, a lot of people talk about, um, I guess, their journey towards their career, their passion. Uh, was it something you were passionate about or you feel like you just kind of, it was what you were good at and the rope was kind of paid for you by... And just checking off what you were good at, what you weren't good at. Yeah, I, I, and it's 
that's exactly it. It's like I was good at math and science. So I figured, let me do something that is geared more towards that. It wasn't like, oh, I've been dreaming of being an engineer my whole life. I think now I feel really fulfilled with what I'm doing with it. But I did go through a phase where I was like, do I, is this really what I want to be doing? Um, because some of the math and the science was really hard and I didn't know if I wanted to keep doing it, but I think, um, and I wanted to say this is like a tip to future engineers. It's like, you don't have to love every single part of the program. So yeah, yeah. it was sort of what it was sort of, this is what I think I'm good at. Let me choose a major. Gotcha. Yeah. So then you went on to work at this place called the International Paper Company. And I did some research on the paper company, but I'm just trying to figure out the linkage between engineering and paper. <laughs> so tell me exactly what you were doing there. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad you asked this because I think people have, um, they have an, when they think of a chemical engineer, you have an image that it's somebody who works at a big chemical company, yeah. but it's not the case at all. So a chemical engineer would have their hand in any process that's continuous. So how do you make paper? You turn trees into paper. So it's a process. So you start with trees, you chop them up into wood chips, and then you have to turn the wood chips into um, a substance called pulp. And to do that, you need to do different chemical reactions to the wood chips. And then you have to turn your pulp into paper. And to do that, you have to, um, you have to like pour your pulp onto a conveyor belt, dry it, um, but you have to do that efficiently. And so each of these, like this process of turning wood into paper, it involves so many different processes. And those are the types of things you learn about in engineering. Like yes. how do I dry something efficiently um, without burning it? How do I dry it? How do I use energy the most efficiently? And those are all parts of chemical engineering. Huh. Sidebar question. Do you, do you guys ever do any, when you're working at this company, um, research on, I guess, the amount of trees that we use in our, in our country, in the world, that we waste in terms of paper? Do you guys do anything like that in terms of ways to kind of conserve? Uh, I, well, when I was there, and this was a long time ago, we did look at, like, what's the percentage, like, when you use recycled paper, like, when right. you recycle paper to remake paper again, back then, it actually the chemicals that it required to de-ink the paper after it had been used, they weren't the, it wasn't necessarily as environmental friendly as you would think. But I think right now, if you did that calculation, it'd probably be much better because the technology has just gotten so much better. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. We have a, um, uh, a very narrow view of what a chemical engineer does. It's like, mm -hmm. you must make vaccines and drugs and, you know, that that's a chemical engineer. But um, like you said, I guess everything from plastic to glass to wood, yeah. it, it's, it's all chemicals. It's all, we're always trying to figure out a better way to get things done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Bring, bringing up vaccines though, you, um, what kind of vaccines did you work on at Merck? So I personally worked on the H an HIV vaccine, but in my department, we also worked on the HPV vaccine, Gardasil, and then the chickenpox vaccine, Varicella. So those all came out of our, our department at Merck. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That yeah. must have been very exciting. Yeah. And I want to say even that, like, I don't think people realize chemical engineers would have a role there. Um, but it's a process, like when you make a vaccine, you have to use something to mass produce the vaccine. And in this case, we use cell culture. 
So you're growing cells in different containers and scaling them up and that process, and then you're, you're purifying it to get the component that you want. But all of those processes, like the scale up of your cells from a really small container to a large container, and then purifying it to get what you want. That's all, those are all processes you learn in chemical engineering. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I I had another question and it just escaped me. Um, but I wanted to ask what are protein drugs and sustained release devices? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. So let me, um, so there's different types of drugs and they, they can enter your body in different routes. So if you have, for example, if you have a headache, you would take an, an Advil or a Tylenol and you would take that orally. And those are small molecule drugs. But if you had something like cancer or multiple sclerosis, you wouldn't take a small molecule drug. Typically, you take a large molecule drug, which is a protein drug. Um, but those can't be uh, taken orally, they'd have to be taken intravenously, so through an IV infusion or subcutaneously, um, injected through the layer underneath your skin before you hit your muscle. Um, But the problem is you don't want to be giving injections every four hours. So sustained release devices are, um, you can think of putting your drug inside of a capsule that releases slowly over time. Mm -hmm. So it degrades in your body's slowly over time and it releases the drug at a certain level um, and it maintains that level in your body. So for example, you would say, I want to have a monthly injection. So you'd have your drug inside this device that would slowly release the drug at the right level over, uh, over that month of time. Um, but one of the problems is that proteins, although they're extremely effective, they can, they can stick to the surfaces of these capsules but you don't know what percentage actually sticks. Like it does, it's not, it's not a, like a, it's not a, you don't know exactly, like just because you put in 30 milligrams doesn't mean just 1% is going to stick. So basically the point in saying that was you don't know, you can't overload your capsule because you don't want to overdose your patient. So it's sort of fighting that balance between how do I get the right amount of drug to release over that period of time? And so what I looked at was if I could attach something else to the protein drug that would stick in place of the protein and then still allow the protein to release. Mm. Okay. Now I have one more. I did remember what it is I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask. Um, What percentage of the things that you work on actually make it to, you know, the the public? Because you're working on the... um, the the hiv vaccine yeah. and, uh, so those are pretty like i i would assume highlights of hey this yeah. made it yeah. and how what's the percentage of things you work on and it's like oh, that that just it never made it out so in my department so like in the discovery department i would say they scan probably thousands of candidates and maybe 10 percent of them make it to my department mm. so it's it's really hard and that's why yeah, and within my department, probably you're screening so many different formulations to put the molecule in. So you select your molecule. I would say probably like five drugs a year. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But really, if you think of it as the, if you think of it in terms of the discovery folks, they it's a very small percentage that continues to make it. It's really hard. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's incredible. Now, I recently about 
drugs in, in PT school a little bit because we have patients who have Alzheimer's, we have patients who have Parkinson's, yeah. um, stroke patients, et cetera. And I guess, yeah, the time release drugs are very important, especially for MS patients. Yeah. Um, you know, based on their specificity levels, how they're coming in and, you know, what time they take them and what time they see us for therapy, uh, what time they drug actually um, decreases in terms of the bloodstream. So those drugs, you know, they're, they're incredible because they make someone's life so much more uh, functional. Yeah. Able to do certain things at certain times. So kudos to you for that, Shido, clearly for <laughs> all the work that you've done. Um, and the HIV and HIV vaccines, I mean, those are, those are incredible. Have you ever done any work with um, COVID-19 vaccine? Um, I haven't personally, but it is being worked on in my department. Really? Yeah. And um, I can say this now because there was just a press release that came out. So there is, they were screening a few candidates and they do, they have shown an immune response. So it's very promising. And oh. within my department, we're working on finding the right formulation that the drug should be in mm -hmm. and figuring out what dose people should be getting Yeah. and figuring out how to mass produce it. Cause that's also a problem. Like just finding the right drug that targets the disease is one thing, but being able to mass produce it is another. So that's those that's ongoing in my department. Huh. Now you, you work advisor now, you've done some work working with antibodies for cancer, correct? Mm -hmm. Is is it the same premise in terms of, I know cancer and the flu vaccine are two different things clearly, but yeah. is the same premise in terms of the, the, the drugs that you're working on in terms of their efficacy, in terms of fighting, um, the virus in certain people or no it's it's different so the delivery mechanism is different and even the the dosage strength is different okay. so that's some so that's something that that's going on right now um with the covid vaccine it takes typically it takes years to develop the vaccine to find the right dosage but they're just as they're accelerating it so quickly to figure out what's the right dosage form what's the right dosage amount um, it's a little bit different than cancer drugs, but um, we have studies in place to figure that out. Now, in your expertise, do you think, because what I've heard is that vaccines take about a year in terms of trials and testing before yeah. they really put it out there to the, to the population. Do you think that this is going to be a safe vaccine that whoever delivers it to whoever, whenever, yeah. right? Um, yeah. If it's less than a year in terms of its, its production and testing, and it's given to the public. What do you think is going to be safe for people to use, or should people be skeptical in terms of no, taking vaccines early? I, I think even though they're doing things very quickly, the right safety measures are in place. I don't think they're they're not cutting corners in terms of figuring out what's the right level and what would be toxic. There's I don't think they're cutting corners there. They're just trying to accelerate as much as possible, reacting as quickly as possible. I, I wouldn't worry about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, you 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 were working in Germany. That that <laughs> that's very interesting to me. What was it like um, being an American in Germany? <laughs> um, it was really fun once I got got into it. So when I first got there, actually, um, so I moved there because my husband, he's German, he found a job there, and then I found a position there as well. But when I had interviewed for the position, and it was for AbbVie, which is an American company, but they have um, a subsidiary in, in Germany. When I interviewed, they had said that all of the work would be in English and we just speak German at lunch and during like coffee time. 
So I thought it would be fine. But then I got there and obviously everything was in German. So my first reaction was just, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Um, but I think what was really difficult is just like that shock that I would have to, if I really wanted to be effective there, I'd have to learn the language. And I had, I had learned German personally, but at, not at a level where I could like speak about technical things. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the most intimidating part. But I think once I showed them that I was making an effort and taking German classes, then it, it got a lot easier. So I would say the, the most difficult part was really like fitting in at the beginning. Okay. okay. And feeling accepted. Cause I think one thing I want to say is, um, Americans sometimes have a stereotype with, I mean, speaking generally with Germans. So I think it's, Americans can be really, really nice on the surface, but they, that it's like a superficial, or at least that's the impression that they had, right? It's a superficial niceness. Oh, we should hang out sometime, but nothing comes of it. And so it was sort of breaking that stereotype too, that they had of, had of Americans. Like I was like, Oh, I'm here to stay. I want to work here. So mm. it was getting past that as well. Hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there there are a lot of there are a lot of stereotypes, uh, especially about the weather. How's the weather there? Is it always ice cold or? No, I got lucky. I was in like the southern part of Germany, and it was warm. It wasn't that bad. Um, we had like one one very cold winter. I think that's when Sean visited, but otherwise, it it's not that bad. Yeah. Okay. The north, the northern part is very cold. So yeah, that's probably what you've heard of. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, yeah. that's always what they show on TV. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Always snowing and always yeah. icy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Now, let's let's switch to Ohio. Okay. Um, what was it like growing up in Ohio? Um. Well. So in my high school, we were one of just a handful of, of Indian families mm -hmm. and even minority families. So it was primarily white. Um, but I wanted to say like, for me personally, I didn't feel any, I didn't feel any racism or I didn't feel different. I think it's because of the people I hung out with. So my friends never made me feel different at all. Mm -hmm. um, I think only when going to like Indian events, that's where I felt like I wasn't Indian enough. But I never felt like I needed to be white or anything like that. So I know mm -hmm. um, my siblings had different experiences or, have, or felt differently, maybe because of the people they hung out with. But with me, with my friends, it was never, mm -hmm. if anything, it was like, did you do well on this exam? No. Oh, now I feel bad. You know, it wasn't anything about. Um, and I, I should say also, like, I wasn't very popular in high school. So I think like outward appearance wasn't really a big thing. Mm. So that's, I, I, I would say it didn't feel hard or anything. Right. Sure. Okay. Okay. I've had the pleasure of going to Mannheim, Germany. It is <laughs> gorgeous. Uh, I tried to learn German for the time that I was there. I <laughs> failed. Uh, <laughs> but your mother-in-law was very nice to me, and, and I really appreciated that. And we had a great time out there. And it's, it's just cool being out there and seeing um, – it's different cultures, you know. It's it's funny when you're in the U.S. and and you go to a different country, especially Germany, because uh, people are friendly out there. But yes, it is different. It is different yeah. in terms of people how interactions happen. And I think you know having the the courage to go anywhere different. I mean, you have to go to Germany and, and you learn German when you were here in, in the U.S. But you have to go over there and basically engross yourself in the culture. I mean, that by itself uh, is is a leap. Um, that many people would not want to take. 
I think you going out there and doing that just shows uh, dedication to your career, to your family also, um, and your dexterity or your, your versatility to go out there and still work um, in an environment where you're speaking another language. I mean, I can't, I could not <laughs> picture myself going to, and I can speak a little bit of French because, you know, we went to France together. Yeah, okay. I was going to say. I cannot envision myself going to Paris and working every day, 24, you know, 40 hours a week speaking French to my patients. Um, I could, I could fudge through it. And I have a couple of Haitian patients that I see during the week. And I, you know, I say my little French thing for like 10 minutes and I, you know, I switch right back to English, but to, to have yourself engrossed in that language and uh, to, to do it every single day and to do it well, uh, that's really kudos to you. That's really, really impressive. I think that's something that listeners definitely take, take note of that, Everything that you learn in terms of languages, in terms of your experiences, will apply to something else that you do in life. I mean, I took French in high school and college, and I, I never thought I was ever going to use it. But I have so many Haitian patients that I actually can can talk to, and they always think I'm Haitian and I'm not. But I can talk to them in a way that just kind of gets them to relax and gets them to trust me more. And it just makes the entire uh, interaction it's more pleasant uh, and it makes you look great, which is, which is yeah, awesome. I was going to say, it's, it's so nice that you make that effort. That's, yeah. I think, and when you, I, I definitely didn't master German and I made a ton of mistakes, but I think what they appreciated was that I was trying right, and not just assuming they would switch to English for me. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. As, and as Americans here, we assume everyone should speak English no matter what. So it's just like, you don't speak English? What are you doing here? Um, but that's something that we all should definitely work on, especially mastering a different language. Um, and I've been to Ohio as well. Um, <laughs> I know Ohio very well. Uh, and, and um, you know, I, I think growing up in Ohio, for at least in terms of your sister, has shared with me the Ohio experience has been very interesting. Um, I know you went to Ohio State. And that was its own thing. The Ohio State is like a big thing. Because um, everyone who I meet who goes to Ohio says the Ohio State. Yeah, the Ohio State. What is that about? And I know you were there, you know, for, 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 for school. But what is that about in terms of why is Ohio State such a big deal for people who go there? I think it's, um, well... I, I think that the Ohio State, well, actually, I, don't, I didn't expect this question, but the, the Ohio State, I think it's just like being proud of where you went, right? And like anybody can say Ohio State, but you, when you went there, you know it's the Ohio State University. <laughs> um, and I think I would say like, especially thinking about like the friendships I've made, like you really, those are my friends for life. Like I, I think maybe it's that, like you have this bond, you went there, you love the school, even if you weren't, I was never even into football, but suddenly I went there and I went to every single game on Saturdays. It's just like, you just feel this pride having been, having gone there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I get the same pride when I talk about Brown. I mean, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. I guess when you're in that, in that environment and you're with those people, it's just a thing that you share relationships, you share experiences, and it just becomes something that just ingrained in you. Um, I had a brown shirt on today at the beach, actually. So it's, it's just one of those things that just sticks you forever. Yeah, um, and it's just like you said. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. I just meant you said you share experiences. It's like, yeah, you had these years with these people. And, like, it's this time in your life that, like, you just cherish, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I know you're currently working in Massachusetts. And that's that's home for you, um, for Carnegie Mellon. But I also know that, that in speaking to you offline, that you went to a Black Lives Matter march 
And, you know, I kind of wanted you just to share, if at all, I know you shared earlier that you didn't really feel anything in terms of racial biases or anything when you were in Ohio. Um, but I was curious if you had any thoughts. Um, you are raising biracial children. Um, I know Akam is German and your family's from India. Um, what that experience has been like for you? Anything that you guys are teaching your children now or will be teaching them moving forward? Um, and how the march was for you, how you felt when you were actually doing it? Um, yeah, so we went to a march that was organized by high school students. And I think that was really eye-opening for me because I never, like I said, I didn't experience this in high school. And these kids organized this march. They talked about their experience in the high school that's in the town next door and what they faced. Um, and I just felt... I felt awful. It was like heartbreaking that these teenage kids are organizing this movement. Like, why should they have to go through that? Um, and it just made me, it, like, it opened up a lot of, I, I don't know, like, although I didn't experience it in Ohio, I'm, I'm sure there are many people that did in my high school. Um, and I guess just the march made me realize, like, why are we still having this conversation in 2020? Like, how come this is still happening? And I thought about my kids, like they were there with us and oh, they, didn't they didn't understand it really, but I want to make them understand it. And I know they're biracial, but the thing is they're biracial European. So they're, they look white. So they will inevitably carry white privilege. And so I want them to understand what that means, um, acknowledge it. Cause I think for me in high school, I think I just didn't pay attention to that at all. Right? Like, and that's not the right, way to think about it now. Like I always said, oh, I never saw color. It was just science and math. And how did you do in your, in your exams? But it's like, no, I want my kids to, to realize it's there to help others. Um, and I think like going to this really, I've always like been aware of it, but, but seeing it through, told through the eyes of a high school kid, it just made me think like, I hope when my kids get to high school, I'm not have, having to have this type of a conversation. Like I, I, I can't believe that that they had to face this from their teachers. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's very interesting um, as, as parents now, because uh, we're all parents, how we now think of it a little different because we have kids coming up and it's like, what will this environment be? How will I teach them to, to respect and to respond correctly? Um, it's, it's very, I don't want to say challenging. It's very interesting and it, it makes you think in a, in a different way. It, it really does. Um, I, I was actually going to ask about, about motherhood. What's the, what's the most rewarding thing about being a mom? Oh, um, I would say getting to experience this kind of love. Like I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I feel really lucky. Like I have friends who can't have kids and it's just the, I feel that's the most rewarding thing. Having this person that you love so unconditionally and they love you and they accept all of your flaws. And I, I know you have that with your spouse, but it's, it's different. It's just a different kind of love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, how old, are, how old you have one child or, or two. So I have a four-year-old son and a daughter who's about to be two in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so now what's the most challenging thing about, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
for me personally, I would say the emotional roller coaster. Like I, I feel like I'm mostly a chill person, but then motherhood has made me so like, I mean, not to like make light of it, but like almost like bipolar. Like sometimes I get so upset and it's just like, I, I didn't, I never thought I would become like so angry about a toddler making me mad, but it, it's just, that's been challenging for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my wife goes through the same thing. And then it's like, <laughs> I think I, I think I did that wrong. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. a human reaction to, they, they just got under your skin and they, they found that one point and they just, they just went for it. And you know, I know. And you, every time you want to believe you're not going to react like that, but it, it just, yeah, that's, what's challenging for me. Okay. Understood. Understood. Yeah. I know my wife is challenging for her has been just really balancing work and being a mom. Um, so I, I don't, I'm never home because I'm always at work, but she's literally doing zoom calls and court cases and trials and arraignments on her computer. And Sonali is always just trying to get in the Zoom call. <laughs> trying to show her face on the Zoom call. So I think there have been many challenges in the past, but right now, I think the challenging thing for her is really trying to balance work and being a mom during this yeah. time. I think a lot of moms are going to that as well. So kudos to all the moms and to you for holding those things down. Um, it's it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a struggle. one day at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. one day at a time. So... <laughs> We're going to take a quick commercial break and right back more with Dr. Shido Pai Beksung on the Be More Today show after these messages. What's going on, folks? Back in the building, episode 18 of the Be More Today show. We're still here with Dr. Shido Pai Beksung, chemical engineer advisor. She is amazing, uh, so talented, speaks multiple languages, and she's just here with us sharing her story about chemical engineering. We've learned so much about how this is part of our everyday lives. Um, We've, we've learned every day from someone else about their professions, but engineering, I should have been an engineer. I, I don't know what I was doing. I think that this is like one of the most exciting things to, to do. Cause I, we had Ricky on the other day and I, he makes things mechanical, right? So he can put anything together physically and you can just change anything <laughs> based on substances. I mean, this, this is just really, really cool to see. Um, what are your thoughts sheets? I don't know uh, if you've gotten into STEM at all. In, in Massachusetts or the STEM programs in, in around the country that, that are going on, talking about science and math. And um, are you linked at all to any STEM programs? Did you see any of those programs when you were in grad school? I know they kind of came later after we were in school, but um, what are your thoughts on the STEM programs that are happening around the country right now, trying to really incorporate and advertise for sciences and math? I think they are amazing. I think we need to encourage more people to join STEM programs. Um, one thing I do, and I haven't done it in a while, but I did it in grad school, was um, Society of Women in Engineering. So that was a group for yeah women. Well, it wasn't just for females, but it was you know called Society of Women in Engineering. Um, just coming together, talking about any obstacles you're facing. We even like came together and made Valentine's cards, just you know, just like to unwind and like let loose together. Um, but I think it's it's amazing, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on this year is getting more involved in trying to find or trying to recruit people to towards STEM and even trying to recruit people um, at different colleges in in the programs to my company. Um, but I do think it's it's such a good field to go into any of the STEM areas. And I just I think it's like you can really make a good life for yourself studying one of those areas. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I'm excited for it because we didn't have this growing up at all, but the push for it has been great. And yeah. um, hoping that it can really blossom, especially for kids growing up here, just to really use the sciences as a way to not just be in school, but to really make a difference for the future of our lives. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and see how it goes. Yeah. And I think it's, a, as you said, it's like you didn't grow up knowing about it. And I think more people would go into it if they knew what it was about and didn't yeah. feel intimidated by it and, and understood, yeah. like, what can you do when you go into STEM? And really, I think the sky's the limit when you do something in one of those fields. That's awesome. So you, my friend, pretty much embody all that Be More Today is. <laughs> uh, you were one of the first people to support us when we first started uh, with our original name. And as you have your book, we appreciate the book love. Um, and you've supported Be More Today since its inception. Uh, even from our Kickstarter that we did in 2014, you were there and you financially supported us. So we wanted to say thank you for that. Um, so now you've seen us grow and progress and become what we are today. What do you feel the phrase Be More Today means to you? Um, to me, be more today means be the best version of yourself today, but mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, and I think it means like, even if you had setbacks yesterday, just park them and wake up and be the best version of yourself, really. And, and I think what I, what I love about your book is that there are like concrete and tangible examples to help you be the best version of yourself whatever that is for you, like whatever your own personal goals are. And that's what it means to me. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate that so much. Yes. Yes. Um, now I'm, I'm always big on trying to find t time management tips. <laughs> um, so my, my question to you is how do you manage um, being a chemical engineer, being a wife, being a mom of two. I know you, you said you have a, you have the uh, babysitter that comes uh, through, um, even through the COVID times, but there, there must be a system or is there a system or do you just, you know, take it as it comes? <laughs> um, I think it's a little bit of everything, but I do think I feel lucky because I have um, my husband does so much for the kids. So it's like a balance. Like there was a time when I was really, really busy with work. And so he was doing a lot of the, the dinners and like we would eat dinner together, but he would be prepping and helping get the kids to bed because I just had, I needed that time to keep working. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, for me, how do I manage? I think it's like, just take kind of take it as it comes and like work with him to balance and also realize that it's, it comes in phases. Like right now our kids are really young, so they need a lot of our attention. And so maybe later we'll be able to like, we won't have to divide our time in, in such a way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I feel lucky because of that. Like, I don't think I could do like zoom classes and work and all that stuff. I, I don't know. So I, that's, yeah, okay. I don't do it alone. So. That, 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 that's, 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 that's good. That's <laughs> actually an awesome thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I also wanted to ask, and you gave some advice um, to up and coming engineers, up and coming engineers before, but is there any other tips or advice you would um, have for people that are either looking to get into the field or they're just starting out and they're trying to figure out how to climb that ladder? Um, I would say like try to network and, and even like, for example, like go on LinkedIn 
And if there's, and, and talk to somebody where you think, hey, I think your job seems interesting and talk to them and ask them how they got there. And even within the program, I would say, like, if you do end up joining an engineering program or one of the programs in STEM, it's like, realize that you don't have to love every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like I know for me in chemical engineering, I hated organic chemistry, but you just had to get through it. And it's like, just get through it to get the degree. And then, you know, then you can go on and, and find the job you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I think that I think that's great advice because a lot of times people, they get to a certain level and it's like, oh, man, I got to learn that. I'm probably going to hate this whole thing. You know what? Trash that. Let me find something else. Right. And yeah, yeah not. not and, you, and you probably don't even like a lot of times you'll learn like a lot of the skills you learn on the job. Mm-hmm. So it's like even if you don't like what you're learning in school, it doesn't mean you're going to be doing it all the time on the job. Right, 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 right. And and even if and I would say like if you think you might have a slight interest, like even for the younger kids or the people who might consider going to school, like talk to somebody and and ask them what their journey was like, you know, because I guarantee they'll tell you the parts that weren't so great, and maybe that'll help you and like set yourself up with a mentor mm-hmm. so that you have that that support going through. Right, right. No, I think mentors are key. They they yeah. really it really helps. Now, speaking of mentors, um, what do you wish someone would have shared with you at the age of 18? (laughs) Um, I guess I wish they would have told me to breathe and accept that life is full of uncertainty. Because I think when I am unsure of things, I tend to get anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing I wish I would have been told is... And I tell myself this now, but like, don't compare yourself to others. Like, I think it's really important to have role models and want to aspire to be like others, but also realize that everyone is on their own trajectory. So like your path might take longer or you might not even go on that path you first thought, but just realize that, like, try not to compare to what others have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's that's something that um, I it's still a challenge for me. Um, even, even today, it's just like, you know, I do certain things well. It's like, oh man, but he's really doing it great. And once you do that, you just, you set yourself up for negative outcomes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it can be debilitating. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and on that, on that same road now, I would ask, what would you say is the key to a fulfilled life? (laughs) Um, I think that, I think that's really like, it's relative. So for me, a fulfilled life is like, I guess, being able to have the, like a lifestyle that I, that I like um, and, and having a good work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And I guess feeling like I'm making an impact and challenging myself. So I feel, I feel that I do feel that I'm fulfilled. I like my job. I have healthy kids. That's really like very important. And, and I have a really great husband, great family. So it's, I think it's like, it's how do you measure success and it's different for different people. But I think that's like, I feel fulfilled because of, because of those things, like those things are important to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Cause we asked that question. One, one of the reasons why we asked that question is because um, so many people go through a stage where they see success or fulfillment as money, the great job, you know, all of the material things and so many people, when they get that, they realize that's not fulfillment. That's a bunch of things. And people might think you're successful or fulfilled because you have it. 
Um, but there's so many people that's not fulfilled that have it. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. I'm, I'm really glad you said, shared that. Now, now we're going to get a little personal now. Um, <laughs> what, what's one thing on your bucket list? I am, I like, I have been thinking about this and I feel like I don't have a bucket list. I, I, um, like I have things I want to do, but I don't have, like, I would love to see the Northern lights, but I, I kind of like, I feel the idea of a bucket list. Like it makes me feel like you would be obligated to go do it because it's on your list. So I guess I just, I, I don't have, I don't necessarily have a bucket list. I have stuff I would like, if I had the opportunity to fly to Iceland and go see the Northern Lights, I would love it. But yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think it qualifies. <laughs> okay. Things that you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and you would like to do. And if the opportunity presents itself, you're going to make sure you get that done. Yeah. There you go. So see the Northern Lights. <laughs> I'm going to cut in here, Terrence, because I don't know if you know who my sister-in-law is. Um, we've asked people on the show, what the bucket list is. And they always give, Oh, I want to go here. I want to go there. She's been everywhere. Uh, <laughs> okay. I did, I did if not you name, that. if you name a place, name a place right now, name any place. No, I haven't been everywhere. <laughs> if you name a place right now, she's probably been there at some point in time. Wow. She's traveled everywhere. No, so, but- <laughs> the, the, so the bucket list is done. That's why she's been everywhere already. No, like I feel okay. I would love to go to like New Zealand, but I sometimes feel like I think, and I go back and forth about the bucket list because I say like I think I could watch like a really cool documentary and feel like I'm there. You know, like I it sounds like a cheesy answer, but that's really I. So my bucket list is like. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. It's not a bucket list. It's like a this would be cool to do list. <laughs> <laughs> because you've already done all the things. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, exactly. I understand. I'm glad Sean cleared exactly. that up. <laughs> Thank you. Just wanted to put that in there. <laughs> now, I have to retract my statement. Uh, I can't be an engineer. I struggle with organic chemistry. I hated organic chemistry. That's okay. So <laughs> did I. <laughs> There's no way I would have. I hated it too. There's no way it would have happened. So I'm glad I I found my own path. Um, (laughs) But she's. We've been asking everybody on this show um, about the book. If they didn't read the book at all, I know you did. So the steps of greatness. I know you wrote them down. So I wanted you to share, if you didn't mind, um, what your start, stop, and goal was uh, for this year. Oh, um, let me. I mean, look, if I wrote it in the book, I wrote it on another piece of paper because I wanted Ahim to use the book. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Well, okay. Oh, you mean, okay, so. Well, one of my starts is to start writing in a journal. So I started doing that because it was more like, I wanted to, like, I wanted to air my grievances in a journal. Like, so Mm -hmm. I didn't have to have somebody else necessarily listen, but I got it all out. Yeah. Um, Stop was, stop being so self-critical or self-doubting. And I saw, I even like have that chapter marked, the day 13 chapter about not being so critical or (laughs) self-doubting. My goal is, and this is actually not something I started at the beginning of the year, but it's as a result of like the Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, my goal was to get involved in um, 
talent acquisition in my department to try to recruit at historically black colleges. Um, yeah, because one of the things we talked about um, within the management team was just like why, you know, when we look at like who's in our department, like what's the, the makeup of our department? Like, why aren't we getting more candidates? And then it's like, maybe we're not going to the right schools. I mean, you know, like, why aren't we recruiting at all these other colleges that are around here? So that's my goal for the year. It's to really try to do something about the diversity in my department. Nice. But I, that wasn't a goal I had at the beginning. I think my goal was I want, I want, to, I want to do a triathlon, but I don't, I don't know if that's even a goal anymore. <laughs> well, no one's doing any races right now. So I know. I had found one in September, but I think it's not going to happen. I didn't sign up, but I, I really don't even think it's going to happen. I got you. I mean, your, your new goal is awesome because it really opens up doors for um, development where most companies aren't thinking that way. I mean, probably now because everyone's thinking about that now because Literally, if you haven't put a statement out for your company, most employers, most employees are questioning, you know, if someone doesn't say a statement of some sort, whether email or mm -hmm. fax, something, a memo about what's happening. Um, so the fact that you're even considering having Visor, one of the biggest corporations in, in the world, go out there and recruit in, 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 in minority um, environments is, is awesome. I, I really wish that other jobs took that to heart because I think that, is one of the, the pieces that is missing from um, a lot of the big corporations, especially a lot of the corporate corporations. Even in my job, um, there aren't a lot of minorities who uh, work as uh, at the top. Um, the bottom, yes, but uh, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to um, um, employment uh, for, for salary positions, uh, the, the numbers are very, very few. So. I think that's a great goal. I'm probably one of the best goals we've heard on the show so far. So kudos to you. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope others do something similar because really I think that's that's a good way to start. To, yeah. yeah, diversify the workplace. Right. Now I wanted to wanted to ask, um, I don't know if you're connected with social media uh at all, but where can people follow you if they, <laughs> they follow? If they to, yes. <laughs> Um, the best, well, so email or LinkedIn, honestly, that's, I, I have a Facebook account, but I'm rarely on it, mm -hmm. but I would say LinkedIn. Okay. And, and if anyone ever wants to talk about being a chemical engineer or working in any of those industries, um, definitely like look me up on LinkedIn, connect with me and, it, and it, yeah, it, let it, me know your name on, on just your name on, on LinkedIn. Um, it's sheetle.s.py at gmail.com is the way I think you find me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Or through Sean, because I'm sure I'm friends with him on LinkedIn. <laughs> not, I'll do that today. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Dr. Sheetle Pai, Rexon, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate that yeah. you have once again enlightened us about a profession that we didn't know too much about. Um, and excited to learn more about how chemical engineers are changing the world every single day you being one of them. So we appreciate your hard work and excited to see uh, where Visor really takes the, the testing for various vaccines, especially for COVID-19. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. And uh, how you back on the show once the vaccine actually comes out. So mm -hmm. see how that goes. <laughs> Our quotation for today again is from Audre Lorde saying, do not let differences pull you apart. Use them, examine them, 
go through them, grow from them. We do not have to become each other in order to work together. We can do so many things just by coming together and, and growing together. So uh, let's get out there. Let's, let's have the hard conversations. Um, let's use this time to make a change. If you think change is coming uh, for all things, not just in terms of racial disparities, but just in terms of everything that's happening around our world. We are so much more similar than we are different. So let's just remember that. Uh, if you want to follow us for any of our platforms, our new Be More Today Facebook page and IG and website is up and moving and grooving. Thanks to Terrence Farrell. He's done an amazing job on revamping our entire brand. So I thank you for him and his hard work. Again, our website, bemoretoday.com. You can find stuff for our music, information about the book, the podcast information, and please subscribe to see our workouts on our Be More Today YouTube page. Uh, Be More Today show can be found on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, and Google Play. And I just found out that we are now heard in the U.S. and nine other countries. So that's very, very exciting that we're growing, we're growing, we're growing, and it's all thanks to you. If you want to see us continue to grow, please uh, look at our page. It's a contribution page. You can go on there and, and donate to the show. We really appreciate that. And if you want to see anything in terms of other guests or other um, professionals, you can go on and email us at be more number two day uh, at gmail.com or all of our social media platforms as well. Yeah. Uh, Terrence Farrell, what's going on with the Words for Life Volume 3? Well, by the time uh, our audience is listening to this, Words for Life Volume 3 is out. Um, it, it It's on iTunes. It's everywhere by the time you hear this. So go out, support. Um, it's it's very uh, motivating or positive Christian perspectives um, set to hip hop inspired music. You'll you'll love it. You'll it's a it's a very interesting uh, combination that will motivate you. So awesome. please support us. Awesome. Excited for the project. Again, I got my copy, folks. So get out there and support 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 we really appreciate it so excited for that and yeah if you're hearing this right now go into your browser and go in there and get the song right now you will not regret it uh for those of you who, who joined us for today thank you so much for joining us for this show episode 18 is in the books and as always we say have a good day have a good night have a great life continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you peace living life with nothing to prove I'm gonna be a better version of me